Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our reading today is from 1 Kings, chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all of Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like the life of one of them. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom brush. Broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, Get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank, and went refreshed by that food for forty days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord's word came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces, because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, Go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire there was a sound, thin, quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance. A voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces, because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars, and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said to him, Go back through the desert to Damascus, and anoint Haziel as king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, Nimshi's son, as king of Israel, and anoint Elisha from Abel-Meholeth, Shephet's son, to succeed you as prophet. Whoever escapes from the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. 
Whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But I have preserved those who remain in Israel, totaling seven thousand, all those whose knees haven't bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths haven't kissed him. Here ends the reading. I remember there was a time uh, when my daughter was young and growing up. We were looking for some kind of scouting activity to do as a family. I grew up in the Boy Scouts, and the Boy Scouts were very, very um, important to me as a as a, a young boy, and they were very important to my uh, to my. Uh, maturing as a as a person to my um, religious and spiritual life they were just very important to me uh, my parents were divorced when I was young and my, my mom and dad were on good terms and I saw my my dad all the time but I mean I lived with my mom and my mom wanted me to have a male presence <laughs> um, and so she sent me to Boy Scouts and I was a, I was a scout um, beginning in second grade and, and ending in high school just short of Eagle Scout, actually. <laughs> but uh, anyway, when my daughter was young, we wanted to find a scouting organization. And we looked around, and we we uh, we wanted something that was co-ed, and we tried different things. And we eventually ended up at Campfire USA. And uh, for several years, I co-led um, with, with my wife a, a Campfire USA club. And it was fantastic. It was an amazing experience. And we had just an amazing time with it. And this was a group that uh, included about a dozen families. And we would have one or two parents and one or two children from each family on an outing. So we would have, you know, 30 people um, generally. And we would go to these, we would go camping and all these places. And we would teach the kids about nature and about the world and about morals and all of this and it was a, just a fantastic experience but after I led that that group for for several years I think it must have been five years uh, after I had led that group for about five years I uh, was just completely burned out I felt like everything was resting on me all the time to, to do and of course that wasn't the, that wasn't the truth that wasn't the case and that's actually I think one of the one of the, the signs of burnout is when you feel like if you leave, if you step away, everything will fall apart. That, that no one will, will pick it up and, and go forward with it. And you feel like you can't leave. And that's, that's a good sign when that happens, that you're, you've been become burned out in what you're doing. But I recognized that. And I recognized that I needed to step away, that it was time for me to step away. And I had put into place... You know, co-leaders. I I had put into place all of the, you know, the, the the paperwork and the legal stuff and the bank account and the, you know, all of the materials. We had continually added um, new families as old families left. Uh, so we weren't, you know, it wasn't like we had one group and they were all gonna gonna graduate together and that was gonna be the end of it. But we just felt like it was time to move on. And so I handed the reins over to somebody else and. Uh, and walked away from it, and uh, they kept it going for another 
I think two years and then it finally kind of fizzled out that, that one particular group. But I know what it can what it can feel like to feel burned out, to feel like um, you just can't take any more of what you're what you're doing. There's just no way no way to continue. And I know that in those cases you can feel scary and you can feel like you need you want to run away run away and hide from the uh run away and hide from the the needs of the people around you who are who are asking things for, of you and it's something that in this ministry i've i've tried really hard um to make sure that i don't get burned out um, i've got a council of of uh, church members who help run the, the, the congregation and um, you know I have, a, I have a great we have a church clerk and a church treasurer and I've set up the bylaws so that it's not just all me all the time I think that's really important uh, you know uh, Jesus said you know wherever there are two or three of you together uh, he didn't say go go your own way <laughs> and so it's important to have that that group of people around you but in any case that brings us back to our reading today from Kings. We read today about Elijah. Elijah is one of the great prophets um, of the Jewish scriptures. And he's seen very much as a second Moses figure in the Jewish, uh, in the Jewish scriptures. So we see in the story a callback to Moses and his experience of the burning bush uh, and his experience of, of God when uh, God told him that, that uh, God was going to pass by and uh, that he, that Moses couldn't look at God, had to cover his face. And God passed by like, like a great wind. And so we see, the, we see uh, repetition of this theme with Elijah. But, but in this case, the re what happens to Elijah is that Elijah runs away. Uh, to give a bit more context how this comes into being the uh, the king of, of Israel so this this point um, the the uh, unified monarchy of David and then Solomon David's son has broken up into two kingdoms the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah and Israel is much larger sometimes they say Israel and Samaria because Samaria was was um, an adjacent uh, country that was at times ruled by Israel and the Samaritans. Because we hear about the Good Samari uh, uh, Samaritan later in in the New Testament, but the Samaritans also worshipped um, the God of of um, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but they worshipped in their own places and not at the temple in Jerusalem. So the uh, this so the king of of Israel, the Northern Kingdom, is Ahab. And Ahab is the son of Omri. And what's really fascinating is that we have, um, you know, up until this point in the in the scriptures, we don't have a lot of physical evidence outside of the Jewish and Christian tradition. We don't we don't have a lot of physical evidence um, of specific people from um, other other uh, communities around. Israel and Judah, but in the case of Omri, we do. Uh, we have a, sta a stela from a, a, a nearby king um, talking about uh, a battle with Omri 
um, king of, uh, it was Omri of the, uh, the line of Omri or Omri in the line of David, I think is what it was. So, so we know that from a, a third party, uh, perspective that there was a king of, uh, Israel and that his name was Omri and that he was of the line of David, um, which is really interesting. Anyway, his son was Ahab and according to the, to the test, to the scriptures, Ahab married a woman named Jezebel, and in our uh, English vernacular, Jezebel has come to mean this kind of deceitful um, woman who who corrupts uh, her partner. And this is how the scriptures kind of treat Jezebel. Jezebel was not an Israelite. She she was uh, the daughter of the king of the Sidonians, and um, Ahab met. Uh, marries Jezebel and Jezebel and and her father and um, worship Baal or uh, perhaps it's pronounced Baal it's I'm not particularly sure which which pronunciation is correct but uh, Baal is a is a a, a local god of um, of lightning if I remember correctly and so Ahab uh, at his wife's request also worships Baal and uh many other gods of the of the surrounding area and in doing so he angers he angers god and he's not the first his his ever since solomon things have been getting progressively worse and worse and worse but ahab is the worst the worst that, that there that there is and so elijah is sent to um to show ahab the error of his ways and to, to kind of deal with jezebel and so um right before this happens uh, the story we, we read today. Uh, Elijah challenges the the priests of Baal, and uh, the challenge is really interesting. It has to do with lighting a fire. He calls, you know, Baal is is the, the god of lightning, so he calls on, on them to have lightning strike and light the fire. And anyway, in the end, um, they're not able to do it, but Elijah is able to do it. And uh, then once he is, once he's proven himself, he kills all of the, all of the prophets, all of the priests of Baal. And when Jezebel hears this, she's furious. And so she basically promises uh, Elijah that, that she's going to have him killed. And that's in the beginning of our, of our reading. And so Elijah flees for his life. He's, you know, the 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 queen of, of Israel is is said that that she's going to have she she's going to kill him, and so he runs. And he flees into the wilderness. Um, and one of my one of my favorite lines in this in this uh, reading is when you know he flees and he he lays he you know he leaves his assistant in another town. His assistant will get wrapped up in all this trouble he's in, and he runs. And he uh, goes to sleep, and a messenger of the Lord <laughs> wakes him up and says, "Eat something." <laughs> how many times? How many times uh, have you been frustrated and, or angry or scared and freaking out? And one of your good friends, who who really cares about you, says, "Calm down, sit down, eat something, stay hydrated. It's really important." <laughs> so sure enough. The messenger of the Lord, the angel, says, um, you know, eat something. And then he wakes up and there's food and, and water. And so he eats and he goes back to sleep. 
They rest some more, and then the messenger of the Lord says, wake up, you know, you've got a long journey ahead of you, you eat something before you go. And so he eats, and then he goes out into the wilderness to the to Mount Horeb. And uh, into a cave. I mean, I mean, he is, he is, you know, he's literally run off into the wilderness and is, and is hiding in a cave um, because he's worried about Jezebel. And when he's in the cave, God comes to him and says, um, you know, the Lord's going to pass by, you know, go, go watch. And there's this reading about how uh, a wind goes by, but, but God is not in the wind. And then uh, an earthquake happens, but God's not in the earthquake. And the fire goes by, but God's not in the fire. And then there's a still quiet sound. And some, some translations translate it as a voice, but it, it's actually just a sound. It doesn't, not even a voice, it's just, just a quiet sound. And uh, Elijah hears God in the sound and goes out to the crack in the rock to see God pass by, but he covers his face because he can't look directly at God. Again, this is all mirroring, mirroring uh, Moses. So what's interesting about this is that for a long time, um, when I've heard this verse preached, there's been a lot of focus on this on this uh, this bit about God is not in the wind and God is not in the earthquake and God is not in the fire, but God is in the still small sound or often still small voice that uh, Elijah hears. And there's lots of different ways to interpret this. And as I was as I was studying for uh, this this verse in uh, in my various materials this week, I was surprised by some of the things that were suggested because I, I had just never, they just never occurred to me as, as things, things about, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe the, the one refers to Baal and the one refers to the, to King Ahab and the one refers to, you know, um, the priests or whatever. There's all these different ways of looking at it. Um, I had always thought about it and kind of been, been told about it. The idea that, you know, God is not in all of these um, signs and wonders, but that God is in, in you know, in that small inner voice that you hear in the quiet when you go out and reflect, when you go out and, and, and sit, and that that's where you hear God. Uh, and certainly that's, I think a good teaching. Like I think that's a, that's a valid teaching and it's a, an important thing to to hear. But when I was reading uh, up on this passage some more, and I was reading reading the passage again in its context, uh, it one of the things that was that was mentioned and I, I really kind of caught on to is this idea that really what this what this passage is about is about burnout. This is about Elijah being fed up, you know, not in an angry way, but just but just done done with this thing. God has sent him to to take care of these priests of Baal and, and the Israelites and and he's just he just is doesn't know what else he can do. You know, and what does he say in the in the reading? You know, God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Not not even like, you know I mean he just asks like, here you are in this in this cave in the mountain. What are you what are you doing here? And, you know, what does he say? He says, 
says, you know, I, I've come to to take care of the of the of the Israelites because they're they're no longer staying in your ways and they've they've forgotten your covenant and you know they've killed all your prophets. I'm the last one and and now they're even trying to kill me. And he's explaining that that's why he's there. He's run because they're trying to kill him. And God says, go out and and you know and wait for for the Lord to pass by. But if you pay attention to what happens when, when he talks about the wind and by anything, um. Elisha doesn't actually move. He doesn't, he doesn't do the thing God asked. He doesn't get up and go to the crack to witness. He stays where he is in the cave. And all of this stuff happens. The wind goes, you know, a huge wind goes by. So imagine he's in the cave. and he can, Outside the cave, big wind goes by. And there's an earthquake. And there's a, there's a fire that goes by. A wildfire goes by. And Elijah is unmoved by all of this stuff. He is... Hiding in his cave. And finally hears a sound. The, the, the faintest sound. And that's what gets him to go up and look out of the cave. And then God says to him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he repeats the exact same thing. It's the exact same wording he said before. You know, he just, he just complains again. He says the same thing again. Same concerns. And God, in, instead of instead of addressing his concerns, instead of um, trying to to persuade him in any way, all he says is, "Get up and go back. Get up and go back, and anoint." Jehu as the new uh, the new king of Israel and anoint the new king of um, I think it's awesome and anoint uh, Elisha as your successor and he sends him back to do that so what he's done is he's given him a different task so his initial task he's come to you know Elijah's come come to God and said, I just, I can't do this anymore. And God has told him, well, then how about this? Go do this. Don't worry about that other stuff anymore. Just focus on this. And we don't see, uh, Elijah never, never makes it as far as we know to, um, to Jehu or the other, the other king. But he does meet up with Elisha and he, Passes the torch to Elisha. Literally passes his robe um, to to Elisha. And Elisha then afterwards goes and um, and anoints Jehu and whatever. So Elijah has, has passed on um, his responsibilities to the next generation. Just as God asked him to do. And I think there's a lot we can see in this. You know, for one... Sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes God comes to us in, in many different ways because we don't listen uh, in all of those ways. You know, God came to Elijah as a, as a wind and as fire and as earthquakes and Elijah wasn't moved. And finally, God had to come to him as a still small sound to get him to, pay, to, to, um, to, come, to the, come out of his cave. <clears throat> to come out of his cave where he was hiding. 
We can also see that sometimes the best way to help somebody when they're burned out is to show them, um, first of all, that, that they're not alone, that it's not just them, and to show them what they can do and how they can help in a smaller way, in a different way. You know, God says not only go and, and pass on your, your um, uh, pass the torch on to Elisha, but he also says, you know, don't worry, those, those people that have angered me, you know, the ones that, that escape the first king will be killed by the second, and the ones that escape the second king will be killed by the prop by Elisha. And he says, but those, there are 7,000 of them left in Israel who have not bowed down to Baal, who have not worshipped Baal. And those God's going to save. Those will be God's people. So he's telling Elijah, you're not alone. Because Elijah feels alone, right? He says, oh, they've killed all of the prophets of God. I'm the only one left. Now they're going to kill me. It's just me. And if I die, you know, what will happen? And God tells him, it's not just you. Don't worry. It's not just you. There are others. Go find them. Go get them to help you. And of course, we can always remember to eat something. <laughs> Rest. When you're, you know, when you feel like you're overwhelmed by the world, take a nap, eat a meal, um, stay hydrated, uh, spend some time alone, listening to your own thoughts, listening to that that still small voice of, of God. And hopefully, you will be recommissioned, put back uh, on your path.